Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to 30 Minute Break with Jake. I'm your host. A little intro to what this podcast is all about. I'll be speaking with different people in different industries, gaining some insight to what their career path consists of, what got them to where they are today, and some inside knowledge for those interested in getting involved in these career paths. Today we have Sean Sinet, who's worked his way up to being a corporate pilot in a Fortune 50 company here in the Twin Cities. He's about to give us a brief, brief overview of how he got to where he is, so stay tuned. Welcome, Sean. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you very much. Yeah, how are you doing today? Outstanding. Just uh, landed uh, two hours ago, so perfect time to swing over and say hello. Yep. And uh, try to give your listeners an idea of what a day in the life of a corporate pilot is like. Yeah. So I'm Let's excited. Let's do it. Let's kick it off right away. Ready. Um, yeah, so give me a brief intro on yourself. Okay, so uh, fortunately for me, I started flying uh, at age 16, had um, some positive role models as a kid which certainly helped me uh, determine at an early age uh, what I wanted to do with uh, with my life in a sense. And so um, soloed uh, an airplane at 16 and then my private pilot license at age 17. Okay. So from there, obviously finishing high school, uh, I continue to fly. An important thing for people to think in mind, your listeners, is to have an education in addition to your flying because as much as we all like to think we're going to be a pilot forever, sometimes people have physical issues that doesn't allow them to continue in their careers being a pilot. So it's important to have a technical degree or a bachelor's degree in something that you can fall back on if you were to lose your pilot's medical certificate. Okay. okay. I think that's important for your listeners to know. So for me, it was to go to college. Mm -hmm. And also, because of the expense involved, uh, I used the United States Navy and the Navy Reserve to help me offset those costs. So I didn't bear such a huge burden of college debt to get to where I am today. Sure. So Navy was also involved in that. Finishing okay. college, obviously the most important, and the Navy gave me the funds to do that, okay? Mm -hmm. um, so from there, just continued to flight instruct uh, locally, uh, and then from there started flying for home improvement chain, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, flying their jets around the world at, at the towards the end of my chapter with that company. Uh, began flying for a fractional operator that flies internationally as well. Um, actually, the largest fractional operator in the United States. Uh, gained a lot of experience with them. Was able to transition to a Fortune 50 company based in Chicago, mm -hmm. where I flew for them, fortunately, as a captain as well. And one of the key themes um, that I wanted to also stress throughout this is for your listeners is to also have a good network of people around you. I think no matter what your career, a pilot or any any career for that matter, to always surround yourself with good people mm -hmm. because you never know when you'll need that resource if your job were to end, which I have found and have had experience with in flying because mergers or companies close to flight departments, that's a common theme, unfortunately, in our world today. So surround yourself with good people. Um, and now today, currently, playing for a Minneapolis-based Fortune 50 company mm -hmm. uh, in their Gulfstream fleet. So cool. in a short version, that's my career uh, over the last almost uh, few decades. Yeah, it's been a journey, huh? Very much. So where you're at right now, you're pretty comfortable with uh, everything where you've ended up. So you're happy with it, the result. It, yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of hard work to get here. This yeah. isn't just something that's given to most pilots in a sense. So, um, yes, like you said, um, a lot of study. Um, and um, I'd encourage your listeners to uh, learn everything and anything you can. Uh, about airplanes and aviation, because that will make you stand uh, out 
uh, from your peers. Okay. So yeah, you are flying for a Fortune 50 company. How do you become a pilot for a business like that or a corporation? Sure. Good question. So a lot of ways to do this. Um, uh, the traditional paths that you're probably familiar with and your listeners would be through the military, mm-hmm. obviously through any of the four five branches, actually Coast Guard included in that, uh, where they would start you from zero and they would get you the experience to certainly fly for them and their equipment. Take that experience after your uh, after your um, appointment is completed or if you retire and take that experience and transfer it to a Fortune 50 company or a local operator, whoever they may be, hmm. okay? Second way is to fly civilian. I flew civilian. I was very lucky to have these role models, like I said, and opportunities to to move me along my path, my career path to get me where I am today, mm-hmm. okay? Big thing I wanna also stress to people is again, network with local people at these airports, for example. Most small airports have airplanes that are based there. People know people who fly these types of aircraft and if you're one of those people who has a positive influence on others, you will probably be able to find an opportunity with these kind of uh, corporate flight departments. Okay. Okay. So keep people close. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially when it comes down you to You never flying. know. Yeah. I'm sure the community is pretty tight-knit, too. I mean, once you start to know people, it it's spreads thin. And yes, absolutely. It's a very small world, um, much like probably most professional careers. Uh, people are usually only one person removed from knowing someone. So, yes, there isn't a way we um, you're able to keep good people around you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so, I guess jumping into it, what kind of uh, businesses would operate their own planes and have their own departments? Uh, so, good question. Uh, I would say any and all types of large or small companies operate their own aircraft. And what I mean by aircraft, that can mean anything from a single engine airplane to take someone to a business meeting 50 miles away to an international jet, a Gulfstream, for example, or a Bombardier Global that can fly people across continents and oceans, okay? And okay. everywhere in between. Uh, most businesses do own their own aircraft to just give people the opportunity to save time because that's the most precious thing we have in our world is time. And so that's what these airplanes allow people to do. Okay. For me, example, coming from New York, it was a two-hour flight. So I saved people time from using an airline schedule, adhering to that schedule, and going through security and finding your vehicle at the end in a parking lot. So mm-hmm. that's what we offer people at these companies is time. Okay. okay? Sure. So when you're doing, the, I mean, you say pretty much time is money at that point. When you're flying people over, um, is it pretty much a daily thing or is it overnight or is it, you know, plop around? So my schedule uh, varies. Uh, so I can work uh, up to 14 to 15 days a month and as little as 8 to 10. Okay. Obviously, I am salaried. Uh, some of my colleagues are hourly. Some prefer an hourly option, so they have the opportunity to work more to make more money if that's the case. Sure. So a typical week would be fly a couple of days, be off a couple of days, and then fly again on a third day. Now, okay. there are some weeks where I fly seven days in a row if we are gone internationally, so there is a difference. Uh, but most of the trips, and most of these companies understand a work-life balance, and so you're not going to be gone every night of the week okay mm-hmm. um like i said most companies average 14 days a month that okay. you're technically on duty or where you fly okay. okay sure okay so what would differentiate um flying for a business versus an airline so if you're to fly with delta versus flying with a company sure so 
we, we fly this, you know, obviously flying with a, a major airline, you're going to fly uh, a larger aircraft. Some people are attracted to that, um, a Boeing or an Airbus. I mean, I totally get that. 777 is an amazing airplane. Um, so flying for a corporation for something like I have done, you're going to fly a smaller type of business jet, which seats up to 12 to 16 people okay. and accomplishes uh, about the same missions. I've flown some 12-hour nonstop flights, okay? So another thing that you'll find in flying for a corporation versus an airline that I notice especially is that I work with a smaller group of pilots, maintenance people, and dispatchers. So much smaller team environment, um, which I like because that allows you to have inter strong interpersonal relationships with people because mm -hmm. you know them. You know their family. Um, and my colleagues in my years at the fractional, you don't necessarily get that same type of interaction because there are so many pilots in your fleet mm -hmm. okay so that's one of the nice uh i think benefits of flying for a corporation versus an airline mm -hmm. uh, and then the probably one of the final opportunities i think this is which makes it even more uh favorable is the fact that i can fly these trips at 32 years of age for example i'm flying as an international captain where my colleagues at an airline are probably going to have to wait until they get a little bit more senior to be able to fly those kind of trips. Okay. So the opportunity for advancement and a leadership position is much quicker in a corporation. Okay. It's not any easier. It's sure. actually probably more difficult. Mm -hmm. um, and we go through the same type of rigorous training every six months to a year. So it's just a quicker opportunity because these companies are smaller and they look for people that have these qualities instead of just taking in a large group of people and hoping one or two have that. Okay. So do companies... Um, do they recruit more or less outside of school or do they look more over experience? So a little bit of both. So most major corporations, um, obviously they will post these opportunities. There's a few now in the Twin Cities actually. Uh, we'll go into their website and then any career search engine will pull up these opportunities, pilot corporate, pilot aviation, corporate aviation. Uh, they are pulling people, generally these are not entry level positions. So okay. They are taking people potentially from colleges in a internship position, mm -hmm. but to get to most of these types of echelon companies, upper echelon companies, they want a few years of experience. Okay, right. so people get that experience either flight instructing, flying for a smaller company, and then moving into bigger equipment, or going to a regional or a major airline, and then deciding they want to be and fly with a smaller team of people, locally, and so they'll pull people from those pools. Okay, okay. sure, cool. So um, I guess what's an average flight day like for you? So an average flight day for me would consist of uh, this morning, for example, I left at 7.30 a.m. Okay. I had to report to the airport at 6 a.m. So I have an hour and a half to essentially ensure that the aircraft is loaded properly. We have our fuel, um, any catering bags are on board. Um, I've obviously reviewed the weather. I've looked at the FARs re regarding the flight, airport issues, weather issues, uh, anything that could impact us is my responsibility as pilot in command. So we are required to be at the airport one and a half hours early. Okay. So most of our pilots obviously commute in. They drive in, depending on the metro area. Um, so you're up usually two hours ahead of that time just to make sure you have the opportunity for any contingencies that may be happening with weather or traffic. Okay. Okay. We fly our trips. My duty days are limited to 16 hours. Uh, so that means from when I show at the airport to when I land, I can do that in about 16 hours is what I'm given. If we start to go over that, there's exceedances that we have to meet. 
or if they are exceeded, then we can't fly back the same day. We have to have 10 hours of rest. Okay. So my day today started at uh, 6 a.m., and it ended right about 6 p.m. local. So I'm right about at 12 hours. And at the end of that, we give a 30-minute shutdown period where the two pilots will discuss the flight with maintenance. There's any issues that need to be looked at with the aircraft or any pilot technique issues that we feel we could have done better, we debrief each other. Okay. So that is technically my day in some respects, okay? Sure. Now, because it's corporate, we can almost fly whatever we want to get the mission done versus my colleagues at an airline, which are strictly held to tighter standards and tolerances, okay? We don't have that in corporation and corporate flying, Part 91 corporate flying. Mm -hmm. The upper echelon companies do adhere to an airline scheduled uh, duty day, which okay. luckily for us, we do uh, to protect our pilots because fatigue, as you know, is in all industries, mm -hmm. but it certainly is much more consequential in aviation with the amount of responsibility that we have and what we do. Yeah, okay. So you guys aren't actually sleeping in the cockpit? Uh, no, not <laughs> technically <laughs> sleeping in the cockpit. Okay. So even on those 12-hour <laughs> trips, wrong. there's usually enough going on to keep you awake. Sure, so okay. So, um, yeah, Sean, you took me flying a couple weeks ago. I did. And um, we did the check route, you know, the checklist and everything beforehand. Yes. Is that something that you would do um, before you go, you're flying for work. Yes, absolutely. So a good question again. Uh, so checklists are, are one of the tools that we use to ensure that nothing is missed. And luckily in our airplanes, we have electronic checklists, which if I forget or miss an item, it does not necessarily let me move forward on the checklist. So okay. checklists are something we use for every step of flying. And obviously it's very critical because you can't miss something that could be critical. Mm -hmm. So uh, wonderful tool, and it's something that I've used um, since the day I learned to fly. It's pretty much the same thing with each plane, just different absolutely. mechanics, different absolutely. ways of looking around it. Okay. You're absolutely correct. Very cool. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, that w when you took me up flying, that was that was something else. That was the first time I've been up in a plane um, that size, and I've obviously sure. taken control. Um, so how would you, you know, get started in getting your pilot's license? What would you recommend for somebody that had an interest so I would recommend to someone who had an interest would be number one, uh, we have a wonderful tool called the internet and do a little research. Mm -hmm. And there, uh, the, the amount of information is probably is overwhelming, but I would just simply type in learn to fly mm -hmm. and that will give you some ideas of how to start. Okay. Second, I would recommend visit your local small airport that offers flight training. Uh, a simple Google search will give you that and show you those flight schools that may be in the area. Mm -hmm. um, certainly uh, introduce yourself and just request to speak to an instructor and that way you can get an understanding of what their expectations are and they can give you an idea of the cost mm -hmm. and how to proceed from there. Okay. okay. So those two would probably be your first avenues to get started in this career. And lastly, it would be to find someone, family or friends of friends who are in the, a in aviation, either as a mechanic or an air traffic controller or as a pilot to give you an understanding of, of what their day may be like and how mm -hmm. they got started, just okay. to give you that information as a background. Okay, so I guess that, that helps. Sure. <laughs> Obviously knowing people in the biz and sure. whatnot. Like um, anything in life, yes, yeah. absolutely. And like I said, and if you don't, because I want your listeners to know that is not absolutely what you need to have to make this happen. It helps. It's just a matter, yeah. yes, like anything. Um, do a little research okay. and then just find your local airport Sure. and go from there. And the other thing I wanted your listeners to know as well is that most people don't pay for these types of this type of training up front. It's mm -hmm. a matter of a monthly payment. So it can, can stretch this out 
so it's not so overwhelming for most people. Mm -hmm. And I can speak from that experience that that's about the only way you can really do this because it is expensive. But if you look at it as an investment in yourself, it's not that much of an of an expenditure. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So you and I are obviously pretty close. We know each other very well. Um, if you ever had to go a different route, if flying wasn't your thing, what, what would you do? What would be your option? You stumped me a slight <laughs> bit. You know, I guess I have never thought about that. Uh, mm -hmm. If I could not be a pilot, you know, it helps that you, I enjoy mechanical things. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I would probably have a slight engineering background. Okay. Uh, certainly from the Navy and just doing what we do. So I would probably would have been either a mechanical engineer okay. or a electrical engineer because of the challenge that I think those careers would uh, would give a person. Sure. So probably in along those lines in some way. Okay. For, you, for those of you that are listening, take up flying, uh, especially if you're an engineer. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but keep in mind as well, it, you do not need to have that as a background. You do not need to have a strong yeah. math background to be a successful pilot. Mm -hmm. um, it's a simple medical to get started. It's a pilot medical third class to get started. Mm -hmm. um, as long as you have vision correctable to 2020, um, you are proficient in English. Um, there, there are really no reasons to hold you back from a career mm -hmm. uh, as a pilot either with an airline or with a corporation. Okay. okay. Yeah. So if someone had interest in flying, um, can you ask someone to take you up from your local airport, take you up in a plane, show you around, show you the ropes, um, some of the things they'll be looking for Absolutely. if they do go that route? Absolutely. Yes. So uh, most small airports do that do have flight schools give uh, what they'll call demo rides, demonstration flights, Okay. usually for 20 minutes. And it's not a lengthy period of time because you just want to give people a simple demonstration of what it's like to fly an airplane, much like you and I did. Mm -hmm. And those are generally $50, maybe $75 in some of the larger cities. Mm -hmm. So relatively um, affordable in some ways. And it will give you an idea of what it's like to physically take the controls of an airplane under the tutelage of, a, of an actual flight instructor, much mm -hmm. like how we did, yeah. to give you an understanding of what some of the dynamics are like. Okay, very cool. Well, I mean, that gives me a brief overview of everything and a little deep dive on your career. So I appreciate you coming in and, you know, My telling pleasure. us all this and uh, hope we can have you on again. My pleasure. And I will certainly look forward to that. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Thank appreciate you very it. much, Jake.